Hello and welcome to Salad Cast. Myself, Ollie and Glyn. How are you doing, Glyn? I'm right, Ollie. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. So, um, another weekend, um, another game played. Um, Shrewsbury drew and won all away at Gillingham, so we'll talk about the game. Um, we've got um, a correspondent, um, Callum, who sits next to me at Shrewsbury, who's given us his insight, so that'll be interesting to share. Uh, and then we can talk about the game. Um, yeah, it's an interesting point to start talking maybe a little bit about League One, Um and yeah, and we've got, obviously there's some questions that we haven't answered for a while as well. So we've got quite a few questions we can go through, Glenn. So, yep, yeah, you well, ready to go? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a good weekend. Obviously, neither of us got to the game, did we? I think it's probably worth us just pointing that right. out at this stage. But um, as we said last week, uh, Gillingham's a long way, and I don't think anyone really likes going all the way to Gillingham. But uh, yeah, I, I had quite a good weekend anyway. I went to see the world, uh, well, not the world, the UK Track Cycling Championships in Manchester. First time I've ever seen anything like that, and it was it was quite nice to be at a sporting event at this time of the year, Ollie, and it be an ambient temperature of 28 degrees inside the stadium. So <laughs> that made a nice change instead of freezing me balls off at the meadow every week. <laughs> so yeah, so that was good. So no, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Callum had to say about the game in, in what sounded like an encouraging result, really. Yeah, no, it sounds good. Yeah, I had a nice weekend as well, and um, yeah, lots of travelling. So yeah, I don't want to travel on your weekends when you no. travel for a living. So <laughs> yep, went to go and see La La Land, which oh, is right. pretty good. Oh, there you go. And so it's probably a good one to take your missus to. It's a bit of a romantic film. So are we turning this into a, we'll t- turn this into a film review podcast now, Ollie? If it all goes wrong, so there well, we go. We like to you know we like to give people um, you know a bit of insight into all sorts of things. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> let's, let's crack on into the football. Yeah, good stuff. Let's Going. Low ball in towards Steve. Steve turns the defender and scores! What a cracking turn from Ian Steven! So, STFC 1, Gillingham 1, a uh, creditable drawdown in the Kent coastline. Um, so, yeah, Shrewsbury uh, got another point, which is good in the context where we're in the league, and obviously we battled back from being 1 0 down. That's always uh, encouraging to see. So, we're uh, just going through the agenda now. I think I'll just read through the team, Ollie, just so everyone's aware of, of who played. Obviously, we were. We were unchanged with Riley in goal. Riley at the right back, Toto and Sadler centre backs, and Brown at left back. And then obviously the midfield was Rodman and Wally on the wings from last week, which was impressive. And then Deegan Nagogo, central midfield, and then Roberts and Lapado up front. So yeah, no change. The, the new guy, um, Humphrey, was on the bench, who I think we'll probably come on to talk to about in a minute, another new signing. Um, so that was a, a positive thing, an unchanged team, and then it was the first home game for the new Gillingham manager as well. So I think a few few of the guys that travelled down were worrying about them getting that new manager bounce and that sort of thing, but it it never quite went that way, Ollie. So yeah, on the on the face of it, a credible result. We've got to be pleased with that. Um, a point away from home, if you're picking up a point away from home, and we're starting to um, you know have some good results at home. Yeah. So that's great. So um, yeah, no, it's good. So in terms of um, in terms of um, giving you guys some insight in the game, um, Callum, who's a good friend of mine. Ian and Callum sit next to me um, in block 17 um, was happily to um, give us some insight to the game so yeah we've got some audio from Callum who will give us his summary of the game so we'll lead into that now Hi guys this is Callum McClanning giving my analysis on the Gillingham versus Shrewsbury game an unchanged 4-4-2 side saw Paul Hurst keep faith in the players from last week's 1-0 win over Oldham it took 25 minutes for any action in the Gillingham-controlled first half, which saw a slip from Ensala allow Cody McDonald a one-on-one chance against Bootweiler, who stood firm and saved well to his left-hand side. Just five minutes later, Riley stung the Jill's keeper's hands with a good free kick, but it would be Gillingham who struck first. And with a route one clearance from the Jill's keeper, Ensiala had another mix-up of feet, allowing an advanced Gillingham centre-half, Adedeji Oshilaja, to slip the ball past Bootweiler for 1-0. A scrappy first half from both teams, it's fair to say. However, the first five minutes of the second half was a different story. Shortly after Lutweiler had made a smart save to deny Cody McDonald again, Tyler Roberts would whip a dangerous ball across the box to find Alex Rodman, who seemed sure to find the back of the net from five yards. 
he only found the post. A melee of shots then followed with the goalkeeper and defenders all making good blocks to deny Agogo, Ladapo and Roberts the chance to get on the score sheet. But Robin's time would come shortly after on the 63 minute mark with a Tyler Roberts shot well blocked, falling nicely onto the head of Rodman who couldn't miss this time. 1-1, game on. But 1-1 was how it would finish, as after Josh Wright and Louis Dodds had half chances to grab the winner for either side, the draw seemed a fair result and a good one for the town who keep marching on. My standout three players for today had to be Tyler Roberts, Sean Wally and Alex Rodman for his goal. Roberts and Wally showed great pace throughout the game and Roberts especially found himself in some good attacking positions. It was however a very scrappy game of football overall, both sides playing the long ball which seemed to favour the Jills more than the Shrews as the Dapo seemed quite flat today. Our passing was poor along the floor, however especially out from the back. With all that aside, a well-earned point and still some positivity to take out of the game with the signings proving impressive, mostly. Yep, so thanks to Callum. Um, thanks for um, doing that. It was interesting and also interesting in his top three. So I did ask him about his top three, actually. Um, and this will kind of link for us to go on to the game, Glenn. Is, um, I asked him why Lutweiler was not in his um, in his top three because yeah. quite a lot of fans were talking about Lutweiler. Um, and he's interesting. Callum said that um, apart from a couple of decent saves, he still didn't command his box and kept punching when he when he could have caught. <laughs> yeah. um, which has actually been something you criticised him for in, the, in recent pods as well, for punching a lot. Um, so yeah, interesting interesting there from Callum yeah I don't know you sit by him most weeks does he think that about Lutweiler all the time or is that just a one-off no I think it's a bit of a one-off but um, yeah I would normally pretty normally agree with Callum he's normally quite quite insightful um, so yeah if he says that he made some decent saves which I saw on the highlights but um, yeah he does sometimes worry you when he does those punches and sometimes they don't go as far as he'd like no I, I, I did you know we were critical about it the other week but I think I captured it by saying I also think he's the strongest goalkeeper at the club and you know any player oh, playing definitely. it playing at a lower level in League One is obviously going to have some limits to his game and, and, and Blutweiler's is punching. But actually, when you, when you think about it, he doesn't command his air all that much. But I can't remember too many of his punches causing us that many trouble over the sort of two or three years he's played for us. So he does normally do enough with them. But yeah, it sounded like, from the from the highlights and what Callum told us, it sounded like a, a good performance from Blutweiler. I saw the, the one save he made on... Um, on the highlights, um, which bring on something else about Toto in a minute. There was one where Toto got caught under the ball um, and then they got in and uh, he made a really good save there. And I think there was a bit of a, a narrative on the highlights that we'll move on from a little while that Toto made a couple of sloppy mistakes in the game, which wasn't too good to hear. Yeah, he did, didn't he? So obviously he made the an error of judgment or the ball. Well, this, um, the assistant manager in, in, um, said that um, the, it was a bit windy and that's what caught him off. That's what got him caught oh, right. um, when they came through. Um, but yeah, he also did a bit of grappling in the box on the extended highlights, um, oh, which is a little bit worrying. Um, so yeah, it's, but again, as you kind of you said on Look Valley, you know, we're not going to get perfect players at this level. No. If we do, they'll soon get snapped up and go further or higher on. So no, it sounds like it was um, a bit of a game of two halves, isn't it? Some, they they kind of dominated the first half. Um, we weren't very good. But second half, we sounded like we make we made a much better of it, um, and a few decent chances as well. We had a lot of shots and goal um, in the second half, mm. um, so yeah, it was it was good and a scrappy goal to score. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's good good to um, good to see Rodman get a goal. Good finish. It was close up, wasn't it? Header in, but we've seen them missed, and particularly for Rodman because obviously the thing a lot of people were talking about after the game was his incredible miss from seven yards out. I don't know if you saw that on the highlights. You probably did, but there was a, there was a ball that uh, they put in down the wing, and it, it basically came to him with the keeper. Straight Stranded and somehow he managed to hit the post with an open goal gaping. So I bet there was no one more pleased to actually get get that goal than Rodman because it was an absolute sitter, sitter of the season so far. I can't think of any worse than that. 
No, it was frustrating, and it was, we seemed to be quite a few players had a, quite a few shots on um, and hit the post. So yeah. there was Roberts, Ladabo, um, and Agogo had that chance, um, and then yeah, it was it was again not getting getting weird. One thing that we've been lacking all season is being clinical in front of goal. Um, but we got a goal, and we yeah, we got that point we needed. Mm. I think one of the things I was I was reading on Blue and Amber, obviously um, having missed the game, was that um, it was for the first time really a good sign of the squad depth that we've got um, in terms of the options that we had on the bench in a game that we were sort of one 0 down and trying to chase. And obviously we've, we've got the new guy on the bench, but it, it's 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 good to see that the work that we're doing in the transfer market starting to pay off now with a bit more solidity. And I know we've mentioned it in previous weeks about Paul Hurst looking at you know the opposition bench and thinking I wish I had a little bit of that. It was starting to feel like a much more maybe more rounded unit than we were under Mellon. I don't know what you think about Ali. Yeah, the squad's definitely having more balance now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we've got wingers, we've got midfielders, we could go, we could change formation if we needed to, we could play three at the back again if we needed to, um, like we did at home um, last week. So yeah, we've got, I think the squad is a lot more balanced and also, and most importantly, I think is the squad has got a lot more pace in the team. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the big differences between kind of like the, the, the pre before January and now in January now and ending getting close to the end of January um, with the transfer window closing on Tuesday um, he's definitely added some pace to the side um, and a little bit more belief as we were mentioning the last pod players that seem to want to want to fight um, so no it's the transfer window is going pretty well so far and um, yeah it's have definitely having an impact in the positive results we're picking up yeah, because the, the subs, he made three subs this week and it was like um, the new guy Humphrey was quite highly rated obviously and then we brought Morris on, another young highly rated pacey player and then Dodds as well. So, you know, that's three strong players that are bringing on to, to affect the games and, 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 you know, make some changes and unsettle the defence. So I think that's an absolute positive to be honest with you and I think um, he's obviously gone on to say that he's going to bring in a couple more players as well. So we're even going to be looking at even even stronger benches and maybe a couple more heading out as well. So, um, yeah, that was interesting as well. I think, you know, we mentioned it every week but obviously Ian Black was MIA again, wasn't he? Uh, Ollie is uh, still yeah. not around the club and what's going on there again we can't really comment because we don't know but it's interesting it's dragging on this long isn't it yeah no it is interesting and um, definitely got a bit more strength um, on, the, on the on the bench I wonder what will happen to Black and I wonder what will happen to players like Ethan Jones um, whether some of these other uh, players that have been out on loan will go out on loan again um, obviously um, Hurst has had the chance to cast his eye on them a bit more now mm. um, and it's yeah it's it's not the best time of, of a player's career is it to try and blood them um, in a relegation fight uh, maybe if we're lucky enough to be safe with a few games to go maybe they'll get a chance but as Hurst said in his post-match there's a long way to go and um, yeah we can't count ourselves we can't, can't say we're safe yet we're still a very very long way to go Oh yeah, he's completely right there. And I actually, you, I don't know if you caught this interview in the week, but you actually did an interview talking about the young players at the football club and what his plans were going to be for them post the end of the transfer window, which is obviously, is tomorrow? It's the 20, 29th today, isn't it? So I think it's either the 30th or 31st, isn't it? The window? It's Tuesday, I can't yeah. It's Tuesday, Tuesday, so... After that, he said he was definitely going to be looking for National League clubs to loan out all the young lads to, or at least a majority of them, might not have said all of them, but he was definitely going to be looking for a place at National League clubs for them. So that's good for, say, Anderson, for example, who's going to probably step up from the level he was playing at with Hales Owen. So, you know, Ethan Jones obviously already been at a National League club in Tranmere, so he might end up somewhere like that. And, you know, maybe Smith as well might be getting, might be heading out the door, and even Grogan, and, and maybe some of the other fringe players. And it, it'd be good to get them out and get an experience. And, and you're right, this isn't the place to be playing them now. But I certainly think if they can go and get another 15, 20 games under their belt at the end of this season, they're going to come back hopefully in a League One team next year and, and then try and stake a plane. So I think that's a pretty good uh, a pretty good strategy from Hurst. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, kind of moving on to Hurst, what, was, what did he say in his post-match? Um, he, he agreed it was a good point. Um, it was a game of good 
game of um, two halves and we, were, we weren't very good at keeping the ball at front so which is surprising because that's one of the strengths that Ladipo had in the last few games wasn't was holding yeah. the ball at front he didn't have the best game but by the sounds of it yeah he did but he did link to us not you know he mentioned when he was a player um, which Gillingham was a tough place to play sometimes with the conditions but obviously it's still it's the same for both sets of players yeah um, so first half, as he, as Callum alluded to, wasn't the grab the best. Um, <laughs> There's a few home truths at half time. Um, Lewis Cox kind of made a mention of uh, when he was asking Hurst um, what happened, and then um, yeah, the second half we came out and did better. Uh, so fingers crossed we can start the next game in the same um, the same vein and same form um, because. Yeah, Saturday is going to be um, a huge, huge, huge game. It is, isn't it? I think, it, as we said in the sort of pre-bit pre we were doing before we recorded the podcast, obviously not being at the game, it's it's probably more important for us to actually take a step back and look at the um, look at the league table because, you know, it's great to see us up to 19th now. We went up a position at the weekend and we're still only um, three points behind Gillingham, so we've not Two let them points. get away. Two points, yes, sorry. Yeah, so yeah, sorry. Sorry, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, we're three points behind Gillingham. Yes. Um, who are 17th. Port Vale at eighteenth on thirty-two points. That's it, yeah. Shrewsbury and Swindon on twenty-nine points. Yeah. Um, Berry in, in the relegation zone on twenty-seven. And then Chesterfield twenty-six. Oldham twenty-five. And Coventry, um, which, which is quite remarkable. Now we've got an eight-point lead over Coventry, who are bottom <laughs> on the table. So that just kind of just puts into context the um, the swing that we've had under Hurst, because obviously we were bottom. Yeah, well, yeah, we we're bottom and, and cut off drift, weren't we? It's very similar to uh, Coventry are now. So we said that last week about the job he's done to get us into even this situation and give us a, a, a prayer of staring up after 29 games is, is remarkable. One, one of the key things for us to look out for is games in hand, isn't it? Now we're going to probably have a lot of Tuesday nights over the next few weeks where we're going to be looking at teams like Vale, who've got two games in hand, and Chesterfield, Oldham, and Coventry and Gillingham we've got a game in hand on us so we're going to be looking to see who's playing who and just you know on a Tuesday night rather than open town win open someone does a job and knocks knocks a few goals past Vale or Cheltenham or uh, sorry Vale or Chesterfield or something like that to, to help us out so yeah it looks very tasty and as you say the, the most interesting thing is that we're playing Berry next week and they're obviously the team two points behind us on the same amount of games as us so that's an absolutely huge game isn't it and on form you know, we've got to be pretty confident about that. And we're going to predict the result for that later on, really. But it's interesting time for that game to have come up, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It's a big game. Um, obviously, um, Berry drawing a three all at home to Warsaw. So I think we I think it's fair to say we'll get chances against Berry. <laughs> um, but hopefully, our good home def- uh, home um, defensive record will um, yeah help us um, to to get a get a, def- a victory there. But um, yeah, there's a few um, important um, there's a few big games. Um, next week so fortunately um, Gillingham are playing Bradford so hopefully Bradford can do us a favour mm. um, Coventry versus Millwall um, Chesterfield versus Oldham which is a massive oh. massive game yeah that's a huge game isn't it to be fair yeah I'm not sure what your um, boss said when you spoke to him obviously after um, the last game <laughs> my bo- I haven't quite had my boss actually who's the, who's the, oh, my boss okay. the Oldham fan as I refer to him I, um, I was in the office one day last week and he was away and then I was back up north but um, hopefully I'll catch up with him tomorrow but he did send me an email saying please don't mock me about Ladapo so uh, I'll have to dig, I'll have to get stuck into him about the Oldham result at some point. But yeah, they, they've really been struggling, haven't they? And, and obviously, Barry are not on the best bit of form. I mean, them getting a point last week was a bit of a turn up for the books. Really. Uh, on Saturday, was a bit of a turn up for the books because they've been struggling to get a point anywhere, haven't they? So yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting few games ahead. We, we've obviously are we almost three quarters of the way through the season now. I guess twenty nine games. We must almost be. Well, no, well, we're we're halfway, isn't it? Yeah. Halfway, yeah. we're just into that stage where we're starting to play teams um, for the second time. True so enough. Obviously, Gillingham brought memories of giving away a two goal lead. Oh yeah. Um, at the meadow. Um <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tasty um on Saturday and obviously there was a obviously there was a bit of um 
let's say, a bit of leftovers from the last game. So it'd be interesting to see how the players behave themselves oh, yeah. um, against Berry because an El Ab got sent off, didn't he? And there was yeah. the, the, uh, the kind of incident in the tunnel. So um, it's going to be an interesting game for many reasons. But obviously, the both managers have gone. So yeah, we did say that at the time, didn't we? Because Mellon and Flickcroft were friends as well. So there's not there's not that there's yeah. not that um, <laughs> there's not that thing to repair any damage there was between the players. It might be getting it right stirred up between both managers now. But um, yeah, that would be an interesting one to go because we said at the time, didn't we, in the in that in that podcast after the Berry game that we said that the home game will be really tasty. So yeah, there's that added extra element that I totally forgot about till just then. But I would imagine that the one good thing about it is that Adam Alhabd will not be playing in that game by <laughs> maybe by all, all circumstances depending on how it goes. But yeah, we'll um, maybe take out one of the combustible factors from the starting lineup. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. it's going to be an interesting game. So yeah, let's let's keep the prediction to, um, for the end. Um, yeah. But um, I'm not sure. There's, I think there's too much else to say about this game. So yeah, thanks again to Callum for. Um, given us his insight. I guess one thing I did want to kind of mention um, is that um, I thought Lewis Cox did a fantastic uh, match report this week. It was, okay. really, it was a really good piece of uh, journalism. And obviously the Shropshire Star used to be quite commonly called Sloppy Star, didn't it, for you know, using wrong player names. and Taking always... stuff off Blue and Amber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just like copy and pasting from um, Ian Whitfield's um, comments and Ian Phil's posts on the Shrewsbury yeah. um, Town um, f- um, website. So it has been a huge in- increase in, in terms of um, standard uh, from Shropshire Star um, by Lewis Cox. So yeah, I thought it was just worth mentioning that. And you know, if you haven't been to the game and you want to have a read, um, definitely um, find out. If you're not in Shrewsbury, um, have a look at Shropshire Star online and um, his articles are on there straight after the game. So it's a good place to go to get some um, some insight into what happened yeah it's, it, I, I've read some of the articles I'm not, I've not obviously read the match report from yesterday yet because I've been busy all weekend but yeah I, I certainly think that Lewis's his coverage of the matches is, is much improved and he's quite prolific on Twitter he's almost as prolific as I am so <laughs> he's not that on the head but um, yeah I, I like his match reports the ones I've read this season and um, sloppy, the sloppy star moniker could do a shift into us because I think there was a period where the football club would have told you that they the Shropshire star were willfully misrepresenting things that were going on at the football club or you know taking subjective quotes out of like long interviews to sort of stitch up the manager or the player so hopefully that sort of thing's not going on anymore but it is local journalism you know you get paid by the amount of reads you get so you can't blame them I suppose but yeah it's it's good to see that um, you know we've got someone who's new into the football club and has been able to sort of embrace getting behind Shrewsbury Town I think that's quite a good thing for any local journalist to be doing yeah no definitely cool so yeah let's move on to um, Salad News Terry nods it down, and that was uh, Lynch, I think, with a big kick upfield. Terry Angus. Oh, Terry Angus was caught in possession a little bit then. This is Griffiths. Griffiths going past Richardson. Still Griffiths, and he scored. 2 0. So, Salop News, another busy week of transfer dealings down the meadow. Uh, this week, we brought in our sixth signing of the January transfer window, which is surprising, really. They soon ticked over to six, hasn't it? So, um, yeah, Mr. Stephen Humphreys from Fulham who is a striker who is well-regarded within football, apparently, but we, we always hear that about every player we sign, don't we, Ollie? So it's a bit of a take it take it with a pinch of salt. But, yeah, I mean, we've not seen him play yet. Obviously, he came on at the weekend, didn't he, for a short cameo. But um, on the face of it, another position we needed to strengthen. and Maybe not the experienced player we might have been expecting, Ollie, that we discussed last week, but, you know, certainly yeah. can't argue. No, I think if, if, you know, if the lad's going to, um, you know, be a, a Kai Kai or a, um, a um, yeah, you know, have that kind of impact, then fantastic. Hurst was hinting that he wanted to bring in a more experienced striker, mm. but I think 
one thing that we'll definitely get from Hurst is he's not going to bring someone for the sake of it. He's only going to bring in players that have the hunger, have the drive. Um, obviously, um, financials is, you know dictate what we can do. So, yeah, good luck to the lad. Hopefully, we'll look forward to seeing him um, in the flesh. Maybe he'll come on at Berry and get a bit of a cameo. Um, but, yeah, it sounds like he did all right. And... Um, Another and we do we were short strikers and unfortunately AJ our only real striker on the books in terms of you know long um, terms of full time pro he's injured still so yeah we definitely yeah. need to bring someone in yeah the, the interesting I mean I read all the post match interviews after uh, post match interviews post transfer should I say interviews after he came in and Hurst it sort of indicated that he was probably all right with strikers now with the four lads we've got obviously. Um, the three the three lone strikers now isn't it and uh, and obviously AJ he's going to be quite content with that and and one of the young lads is a backup or maybe a recall option from from the lone club they might end up at so you know yeah. that's that's five strikers I'm pretty comfortable with and they all all bring little different bits and pieces to to the game don't they obviously um, Humphreys maybe a slightly different player to Ladapo and 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 Roberts is obviously slightly different as well so yeah it's 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 a nice mix and match but obviously you've got three lone strikers and you can't play them all so there's going to be weeks going past when AJ's not fit that one of those lads is probably not going to play so. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which which one of them stakes their place. And, and the the other interesting thing is, obviously, Ladapo's got a goal, but the other lad hasn't yet. So, if Humphreys comes in and maybe bags one, puts a bit of pressure on the other lads. And that's good competition for places again. It does, yeah. And that's also, I guess, uh, one thing you was almost uh, you were saying there is that we were going to play two strikers. We were quite um, effective playing just with one, with Dodds in the hole. Mm, so, yeah. yeah, we've got plenty of options Um um, in the team now, and obviously I imagine that um, 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 Worley and um, um, Rodman could do a job as well in the number ten role. So yeah, as we said in the in the main body of the pod, we've definitely got a lot more strength in depth. Yeah, and I think that Roberts can play a little bit in the hole as well, can't he? He's a bit more than just a striker from what we've read about him as well. So he can offer maybe a little bit more in, in circumstances where we've maybe got some injuries out wide. So yeah, it, it's nice to see the flexibility that these young lads have as well because they, they tend to tend to be a bit more flexible than sort of the older pros in some respects. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with that and I'm, I'm, I say, I'm looking forward to seeing him next Saturday. But there's another rumour knocking around. Ollie. I know you don't like to not talk about rumours often, but this one's been knocking around for quite a while, hasn't it? And it's an interesting one because it's about a goalkeeper um, and Grimsby's McEwen or McCann or McKeown. We can't really pr- decide which way to pronounce that name. I'm going to go for McKeown or whatever name McKeown. That's what I'm going it's for. How, it's how it's spelt, but it could be anything, couldn't it? You know, these Scottish names. There you go. I, I don't just get tripped up by foreign sounding names, Ollie, so it's still <laughs> Scottish sounding names. But um, yeah, that was an interesting one because unless we were to move Halstead on and he's not someone he fancies, I can't can't really see a situation where he's that worried about maybe replacing Lutweiler and Lutweiler's not going to sit around as a backup goalkeeper, is he? So maybe it is just a rumour and there's not too much in it, but it's interesting that it's persisted for quite some time. Yeah, and it's also interesting that um, in... Um in his in Hurst's um, post match interview, he, he he said that there was a chance that there was going to be a transfer coming in from one of our players. So it could be Black, um, it could be someone else, but maybe Luke mm. Filer, maybe a Championship team is going to take a punt on him, um, and we're going to lose him. So he's going to have to bring someone in. So he's got a bit of money because I imagine you know Grimsby are not going to just let him have him for, have him for free. No. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting one. So I think I think transfer deadline day, the next few days, is going to actually be pretty interesting with Shrewsbury with some potential outgoings and incoming. incoming. So um, yeah, something to, to keep an eye out for. And I wonder if Witters will be doing his ten thirty um, <laughs> ten thirty posts. Lewis Cox should be like standing outside the main gate for Sky, shouldn't he, or something like that? Oh, one that's what gym. we want. He wants to. <laughs> that's what Lewis, Lewis Cox needs an umbrella. He needs <laughs> someone to put a torch on him, and then he could go on Facebook Live, couldn't he? And he could, could he do. could be live outside. Um, 
um, outside the meadow, outside those green gates. I'm not doing anything on Tuesday night, Ollie. I could just go up there with the my roving mic. <laughs> you could hold the torch for him. Yeah, exactly. I can see what's going on. I'll maybe try and get us a, a sneak interview with our new signing, or try and look at the number plates of the cars going in. I'm, I'm too honest with it's raining. I probably won't do that. But, um, no, as much as I love this podcast, but yeah, so it'd be interesting to see who comes in and out. And you're right. I think there might be a few surprises still yet, um, because you know Paul Hurst is going to want to get himself sorted. But obviously for Shrewsbury, it's not. You can still sign loan players, can't you, for a week after the transfer deadline. At our level, or is yeah. that one of the rules that changed? No, it didn't change, did it? So, yeah, so we've yeah. not probably seen the end of action even after the transfer deadline day. But um, yeah, there we go. And and I suppose one of the more interesting things is it's not news. That is news is that we went a week and no one left the club. So we've briefly touched on Black, haven't we? And you've just mentioned Lutwiler there. But yeah, there might even still be some fringe players like maybe McGiven. So yeah, McGiven, that was the one I was thinking of. So yeah, it could be he might be one of the ones that might want to get moved on. You know, maybe that's just wishful thinking on our behalf. But. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting run up to the end, end of the end of the old transfer window, won't it? Yeah, it certainly will. Yeah, well, that's it. There's no more stand up news this week, so we're gonna there we're gonna try and keep this one pretty sharpish and short. So we've got a, an interesting section now. We're gonna go through where we've been sort of getting questions from some of the fans of the uh, Shrewsbury Town and obviously podcast listeners that uh, sort of a range of questions that we might have addressed in some bits before, but just they want us to give us a bit more of our thoughts on it. So yeah, we're gonna sort of go into a questions from the fan section. <laughs> Live, having to concentrate, but Grant Holt has pulled one. Nipping in front of Richard Kerr and backing his 14th of the season. And there is still time here for Shrewsbury. So, questions from the fans, Ollie. Um, as we mentioned before, we've been having a few questions on Twitter and via Blue and Amber and sent directly to us that we've been holding back on for a few weeks because it's obviously been very busy with the games coming thick and fast over Christmas and then we've had a few guests on, so apologies to everyone for holding back on them. But uh, we've got six here that are sort of interesting ones that we've not really talked about too much about. But, um, yeah, the first question we had is off Alan James, old Jammer off Blue and Amber himself. Um, he wanted to ask, um, I'd like to ask about pitch dimensions for next season. I think Mellon's decision to massive reduce the playing areas backfired on us generally and would welcome it going back to its original size do others see the benefits in playing on a squeezed up pitch Ollie what do you think about this I think we briefly talked about this and I think I know your answer but go on let's have a what you've got to say about it um, I think when Mellon did the right thing um, I think the, the size of the pit the size of the grass at the meadow is huge um, so all he's all Mellon did was kind of reflect the average size um, of pitches in the league Um I, I think in terms of the players we have right now and being in a relegation battle, um, I, I wouldn't want to give opposition extra space. Um, if we were maybe a bigger team um, and we were you know, dominating or maybe if we went down to League 2, maybe I'd consider it. But I think being in League 1, I think we should have the... There's two things. One, if we're in League 2, fair enough. I think maybe have a bigger pitch. But I think it's best to have a standard-sized pitch that players are used to playing on. Mm. I mean, we don't. I don't think we necessarily agree on this. I think I'm a bit more of the other side of it in that it, it seemed like a very negative thing to have done at the time. Um, it, it did definitely compact the, the team down and obviously it, it gave us a very early indication is that Mellon probably didn't think we had the quality of players to play with that widened pitch or we were going to be able to recruit those players and we probably should have seen we probably should have seen the trouble that was, that was coming down the line coming when we saw that. I think in terms of where we are now, it would be beneficial to us not to have it like that. I certainly think that players like Wally, Rodman, may, may you know, 
have more space and, and probably be able to utilise it a little bit better than the fact that at the start of the season we didn't have any wingers and we were not going to play with wingers where we were going to play with overlapping um, right and left backs or, or wing backs as you will so uh, it, it's, a bit, it's a bit of 50-50 I can kind of see what we did at the start of the season and I think if we had the choice now we probably wouldn't have it as big as it was but we also wouldn't have it as small as it was now so I guess it's it's like you say, Ollie, it depends on what kind of team we build next year, doesn't it? And how strong we're looking and, and what Paul Hurst thinks about the dimensions of the pitch, whether we change it or not. I, you know, The way that Paul Hurst plays with four four two, I'd probably be inclined to think he might want to change it, Ollie. I don't know. What do you think Paul Hurst might do? I don't think he'll do anything. I'm willing to, <laughs> to bet a pint. I'm willing to bet a pint that we'll start next season with exactly the same dimensions mm-hmm. of the okay. pitch as we have today. Fair enough. Well, we shall see. It's a good question anyway. It's, it's I think we mentioned it right at the start of the season, maybe in one of the first podcasts yeah. when we first started talking about it but you know has it you know we haven't lost that many games if you think about it by big goal differences which we did in league one last season and I think maybe a part of that is that squeezing the pitch down and not giving teams to play and pick us apart so it certainly might be a reason why we're less you know why we're harder to beat but it was certainly potentially a reason why the football wasn't as entertaining at the start of the season as it probably could have been so yeah who knows how much of a part it plays we're not football managers it's, it's nice for us to talk about these things but yeah thank you for the question Alan we shall move on to question number two which is from Mark Lynch um, I'll read this one out to you Ollie it says what opposition player besides Billy Sharp has really stood out against us this season um, any you'd like to sign for us so you know we've seen quite a lot of the games this season haven't we I and mean, we were just talking about players that have stood out for us and it's so hard we're so focused on shooting it's so hard to remember the, the opposition players against us and the ones that actually ripped us apart but you know when you first read that question was there anyone that really popped into your mind straight away yeah there was one one player that's kind of stood out for me this season um looking at his stats he hasn't actually played as many games as i would have suspected but ismail who played on the right wing for berry torres shreds oh, yeah, um, on that day and he yeah he was good he put a lot of balls into the box um and when we were playing wing backs, um, I felt sorry for Brown. He was completely isolated by um, by Ismail and the, and the fullback. And uh, so, yeah, for me, he's he stood out. Um, yeah, Billy Sharps, and you could probably name pretty much the whole Sheffield United team. Um, kind yeah. of stood out in terms of quality. But for me, he's he's the one player that has stood out for me. What about you, Glenn? Um, well, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the fact that I've actually ended up seeing Fleetwood play three times this season, and they've been really impressive all three times we played. And obviously, I've mentioned on previous podcasts that I think that Bobby Grant is an absolutely excellent player, and particularly at this level for you know not just teams down the bottom of the league, but even teams that are doing well because Fleetwood are absolutely flying, aren't they? So for me, Bobby Grant was one of the players I thought, but I thought that's a bit of an obvious answer because we obviously knew Bobby Grant. Um, but from Fleetwood, there was also um, David Ball, who I thought was excellent in two of the three games he played against us. I believe he, I think he scored two in the one game, and it may be bagged a couple more in the in the home game that I went to see where we got absolutely smashed so he was a really good little player he was he knew where the back of the net was obviously and, and had a massive influence on the game so yeah he was another one of the players today but I thought you know considering we kept thinking we were going to eventually beat Fleetwood I think it's just fact I've seen those guys play twice three times this season that's why that's why they jumped out to us but I think it's probably worth saying that we played against like a lot of the the bigger teams didn't we like obviously we went away to Bolton and they had a lot of players that we'd heard of um, and you know, like uh, Jay Spearing, for example, who never really stood out against us in that game. I, I can't remember. I was the only one that went to bottom, wasn't I? And you would think these yeah, players with yeah, a bit yeah. of Premiership experience might stand out a little bit more. And obviously, at the weekend, Paul Koncheski is playing for Gillingham, and that's the thing that's probably surprised me about named players this season is that none of those, um, you know, the bigger name players who, who are playing at a league lower than they've been, you know, in the Championship, none of them have really stood out. You know, and that's that's probably been one of my more interesting things about the season. Yeah, no, I definitely see where you're coming from. It's almost links to to my friend as well, uh, who's the Wolves fan was saying that he was thought the standard of League One was higher um, from, what, from what he remembered. So, um, mm. yeah, maybe maybe, uh, maybe that's why we are struggling because um, that's why maybe Mellon was a little bit off-key in terms of you know what was League One standard. So, yeah, maybe the quality has gone up. So, yeah, next question. So, Hugh um, Dolphin um, sent a qu- 
question in, and this is going to be an interesting one. So, yeah. what are your predictions for the bottom four this season? And he said, go on, 10th, 8th. So, I'll let you go first, Glenn. Okay, this is going to be one of those things where at the end of the season, when I put together the clips of worst predictions of the season, we're going to come back and regret. But um, for me, I, I can't see Coventry getting out of it. That's that's for one. That's There's a big gap now. Um, and I know we were down there, and you can turn it around, but they seem like they're in absolute disarray. They haven't won in the last 10. And they've lost, I think they've lost eight of the last ten and only drawn the other two. So they picked up two points from 30, which is dreadful, isn't it, Ollie? to be honest with you? Um, yeah, I also, from talking to my boss, the Oldham fan, he's very, very unconfident about them staying up. And their recruitment has been, you know, interesting. But they've brought in players that have never really done the job for them before. So, yeah, I can see Oldham being stuck down there as well. My, my view of Swindon Town from when we went to see them play away was I thought they were the worst team we played this season. And they've been slowly but surely getting back dragged down into the mix, haven't they? So I'm going to go for Swindon. Um, and that leaves me then not to selecting Shrewsbury to pick from Berry or Chesterfield and I think Berry have just been in absolute disarray since they had their good start so I'll go for them so Coventry Oldham Berry and Swindon for me I think Chesterfield will recover like us I think Chesterfield will recover yeah so um, yeah I'm kind of torn here so I, th- I agree with everything you've said um, Swindon are pretty poor uh, Berry we've seen that bit of quality from. I kind of have a bit of a, of a good friend of mine's a Berry fan I wouldn't oh, yeah, like them to go mate. down because I do like going to that game the other teams don't I don't really have any connection to so kind of I'd like Berry to stay up um, mm. but I th- I think you could I think you could be right that um, that Swindon will go down um, so no, I'll go. I'll go for a slightly different. I'll go for what I what I, what I would like to happen as well as what I thought at first. So I think <laughs> Swindon um, will drop in and Berry will survive, but Chesterfield okay. will go down. Yeah, Berry all seem to put themselves out of trouble anyway, Ollie. So it's a fairly yeah, fairly do. good shout there. Yeah, I mean, it's inter- it just one thing we should say just on this question is it would be terrible if we lost Berry, Chesterfield, Oldham, and Coventry as our teams who went down and we stayed up because that's you know four reasonably good away days and not too far away for those. Whereas you've obviously got. Well, Swindon's not too bad, but teams like Gillingham, I'd rather they got relegated, or MK Dons, who were just above yeah. the sort of Northamptons in the league. So it'd be a bit of a shame to lose those three teams. I suppose it depends who comes up, if they're pretty close teams as well, that'd be fine. But yeah, it seems like we're going to lose maybe one, two or three of the, the teams that we quite like going to. So- well, considering Plymouth Plymouth are second and Carlisle are third. <laughs> oh no, that's <laughs> so, not great. Uh, yeah, no, it's not good. And we, and we always get like Carlisle on a Tuesday night or something like that. So um, yeah, it's... I think I think Wickham are def- sorry Plymouth are definitely in the come up. Doncaster are flying at, to- at the top of um, League Two, um, so that's not too bad a trip. I've never no. actually been to their new stadium, so that'd be a good one. I'm going to go off on one of my nostalgic uh, tangents now, Ollie, about Carlisle away. Because have you ever been to Carlisle away on a Tuesday yeah, night? I have. Oh, good not man. Not Tuesday night, no. On a Saturday, oh, yeah. I've been on a Saturday. I've been there on a Tuesday night and I've also been there once on a Tuesday night because you'll probably remember we got them in the, I think it was a league game and it was a really, really frosty day and everyone was like, there's no way this Carlisle game will be on. There's no way this Carlisle game will be on. Anyway, I had a mate of mine who lived in Manchester and I was living in London at the time in Surrey and I madly wanted to go to every game that season. So I drove from Surrey. I left at like 12 o'clock, drove all the way around the M25, up the M6, picked my mate up from Manchester, had some chips in Manchester got back on the motorway, drove up towards Carlisle, and what happened when we got to Penrith? Game got called off. So we drove oh all the way God. back, and I got back at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and then the game got rearranged for the next Tuesday. And do you know what, Ollie? We went. <laughs> so we did the same entire journey again, all the way back up to Carlisle, and we lost 1-0, and someone threw a stone at my car on the way out of Carlisle. And I've never been to Carlisle since. So that was <laughs> that was my uh, historic memories of Carlisle away. But yeah, I think a lot of town fans will remember that game that got called off because it was scandalous. The bus, I think the fans' bus 
already got there and then they called the game off which was just a joke to be honest with you so that was one of the worst games being called off things I can ever remember so yeah hopefully that's brought back a few terrible memories for people whoa so yeah from, that's something like about that's like a 320 mile journey or something so yeah <laughs> fair play to that it's a big it going off on a tangent but yeah it really winds me up um, <laughs> when they call off games really late um, there should be some for me this is, should be some kind of rule cons- um, based on the, the distance travelled by away fans I think, I think that's, what's, that's also a bit of common sense, but the FA and the Football League is not about common sense, is it? So let's move on. No, it's not. Um, so what's the next question we got then? We've got one from Chris Dale. Do you guys think we need any more signings and are we short in any positions now? So we've obviously just been over that a little bit, haven't we, Ollie? And yeah. I think we're, from what Hurst said, I don't think we're going to be looking at strikers. The goalkeeper thing we've discussed as well. So defence and midfield, is there any particular positions there you think we're going to need anyone in? Because I think we're definitely going to sign someone, but whereabouts that is is up for grabs I suppose I would like to see us if we could get rid of McGiven and Lancashire and Elhab I'd like to sign a couple <laughs> of defenders so in terms of quality I'd like to us to bring in a couple of um, a couple of, a defender would be fantastic I, I think central midfield were fine um, maybe an extra winger because we, yeah. we only really have two out and out wingers now so um, an extra winger would be fine but I think with what we've got I think we'd be fine so yeah I think um, do we do we need any more signings? Not necessarily, but I'd like a couple. Yeah, we don't. We might not need them. We're definitely going to get them, from what Hurst has said, and, and we're definitely going to probably ship a couple of players out. I think I would agree with you. I would say that it's it's the wingers. Um, maybe having a sort of a, a winger that can play sort of with both feet quite well would be quite a nice little bit of balance. So if one of them gets injured, he can drop in on either side. You wouldn't want to just get a, a right wing, a natural right winger in, and hope that Wally gets injured because that'd be a bit of a waste of time, wouldn't it? So yeah. maybe someone who's a bit more comfortable playing both wings, um, and then maybe filling in with Rob as well because I believe he can cut in a bit as well so you know, that would be the one for me but you know maybe that question a couple of weeks ago would have been more interesting where it was coming towards the end of the window now and things are a little bit more settled um, it's a bit more obvious what we might or might not need so yeah thanks for the question Dale hopefully that gives you our thoughts on that and then we had another one from Danny Morris um, off Blue and Amber which was Ollie do you think a designated singing stand in the south stand would work um yeah, what do you think about that initially? Um, I think it was obviously interesting when we first set up the, the stadium. I remember when me and Phil having a, a conversation about where we should sit. Um, and I said, well, one, I like sitting where I sit, watch the game. And I thought that um, the, our home fans would kind of congregate in the corner in Block 19 where they have. Yeah. Um, I personally, I, I think it would be great if we did have a proper singing area. Um, I think Block 19 kind of works. Um I'm not sure if we have enough fans to fill more than a block of people who'd want to sing, but I think mm-hmm. if we could improve the atmosphere, I'd definitely be in favour of that. But I'm a bit hypocritical because I, away games I often sing. I don't actually. I probably. I think I probably would sing a lot more at home games actually if people around us sung. I don't think it's, it's pretty much impossible to start a chant from block 17, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. To be honest with you, I I, I think it's an interesting one, and I believe. That, do you remember the Shrewsbury Ultras set themselves up in the west yeah. uh, in the south stand a while back, and they got a little bit of an atmosphere going, but it never really fully worked. And the Riversiders wanted to stay where they were. You know, the old Riversiders, the the Ultras were a sort of bunch of younger lads trying to get something going, and fair play to them. And they've mostly congregated back over. I think a couple of the Ultras are the guys that sit behind us in block 17 now so yeah. it's it's interesting as you get older you do want a better view but you also want to sort of be in the mix and box 17 18 kind of fill that void don't they for me to be honest with you in answer to danny's question i don't think it would work now i think that the ship has sailed for me the best thing we could probably do but you'll probably get thrown a whole load of red tape at us about in the section 106 agreements and safe standing illegal and all that sort of thing so safe standing would be number one wouldn't it but 
the, the second thing is yeah. if we could go unreserved seating so blocks 18 and 19 if that was unreserved seating i think that would be more of an encouragement for people to go in there and mix above and, and get in a more of a singing area um instead of having to buy your seats in that area so i know it never sells out but just having that as unreserved seating would open it back up to more of this general casual riversiders and singing types that don't really go anymore because they don't really like the way the stadium works with you know staying in the same place all the time so that's something i, I would do but it's never going to happen because of laws and that sort of thing if we could get there was obviously there's quite a few things in there were different football federations supporters groups trying to get say standing in i think if we could turn block 19 into a standing area and yeah. you could choose you know there'll be probably there might be games where i think you know what look on this is a big game let's go into let's try and get into block 19 i might move a couple of times so no i think it's a good idea from danny and i think if we could have um standing singing area in block 19 i think that would be very popular um so mm. yeah fingers crossed fan groups across the country continue to push for say standing and yeah i think if we got that in block 19 i think that would increase the decibel levels a little bit it would i think if we're ever going to bring safe standing it would be in south stand though because that's the easiest one to convert unfortunately so maybe yeah. you, would, you would end up with all your singers over in the uh, south stand so danny might get his wish but yeah we're, we're a few years off safe standing i think yeah, i know it's been trialed at a few lower league clubs and and bits and pieces like that I, I definitely think we'll see it in my lifetime so it's a case of wait and see isn't it uh, i don't think i'll be young enough yep. to want to stand <laughs> by the time it comes in i'll be <laughs> mid 30s now you have, my, my knees are gone. you have your blanket and your tea <laughs> yeah exactly um and the last question then on on the uh, questions from the fan section is from Richard Vernon why are the toilets so rubbish <laughs> and this is a genuine question we had yeah it is a genuine question and I think we should probably direct this to um, to um, to um, to the chairman so um, <laughs> yeah maybe maybe we should send a letter to um, to chairman Richard I think that would be a, a good 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 and wise decision we appreciate the question but we're not the we right do. people to ask <laughs> it's, it's something for the football club and as I say whether whether we see improved toilets or safe standing first Ollie I, I wouldn't like to guesstimate to be honest with you Ooh. but um, it's it'll be an interesting in one either way both of them cost money and they're both for the fans so I'm not sure <laughs> yeah exactly um, so yes thanks for the questions as I say we'll try and do this yep, a bit more cheers, often guys. now as, as things settle down won't we Ollie and um, we, we're keeping getting questions from people in various means so yeah it's, it's just something nice and interesting to bring to the podcast makes us think about things we've not thought about before so cheers for the questions and we shall move on to predictions swings across in towards Stevens and ball Stevens is there it's a goal Wayne Clark's going to pinch it so, um, um, prediction section. So, um, Glyn, we've both got one right for a change. Yes, so it's been I know. a few weeks for us to get the right score um, and the right result. So, we both went for a one-all um, draw. So, we're on the money there. So, that means it's currently, I currently lead um, 21-19. So, it's still close um, as we come to the end of January. Yeah, one result in it still, Ollie. It's very close, yeah. So, that's kind of next game. So, we've got Barry at home. Um I'll give you the honours, Glynn. What would you th- what do you think? I think we're going to smash Barry. I think we're going to have our biggest home win of the season, Ollie. <laughs> as pr- well, confident, okay. confident as I felt for a while. I, yeah, I, I just think that you know we've really turned the corner. I feel now. Um, there's been some good results, and I still think Barry is scratching around for form. And this is the last game they're going to want. I think adding that tension that we were talking about before, um, adding the fact that it's a, a, a much improved home form that we've been putting in recently. I, I can see us. Finally, maybe scoring more than one or two in a, in, a, in sort of a, a more than a one nil lead in some of our wins we've known recently. So I'm going to go for us to win three nil, Ollie. Ooh, okay, that's an interesting <laughs> one. <laughs> I'm not going to go. I, I thought before you said I'm going to go for two one. Okay, I'm going to go two one to two one to me. So um, yeah, I'll just put that down on the on our agenda. Yeah, two one. I think to Shrewsbury. Okay, you think it's going to be a bit more a tight and tense game than a tight tense relegation yeah, battle? I, I think so. I think so. I think there's so much at stake. Um, 
it's going to be it's going to be a tight one. And I still don't think as a team we're fantastic at defending. And I think Barry are quite <laughs> good at scoring goals. So yeah, I think they'll get one. But I think I think we'll um, I think we'll win. Okay, well that's good. We've gone for both wins anyway. So that's a, that's a starting point, isn't it, for the town? So yeah. So yes, that's it. That'll do for this episode, Ollie, with the predictions. I think. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about following us on Twitter and the like? Yeah, yeah, it'd be good. To, yeah, I was just going to mention that we haven't mentioned um, Twitter for a long time. So yeah, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter at Saladcast, that'd be fantastic. And um, yeah, um, thanks guys for the questions. Please send them in. Um, and I was sort of saying, Glenn, I was going to mention to you offline, but we'll probably worth mentioning it now. It's good to maybe get some um, guests back on as well, so guests that we've had yeah. on also. If anyone wants to come on as well, let us know and um, yeah, see what we can do. Yeah, I've had, I've, I think I've, I've let you know we've got a few guys lined up who've not been on yet, so it's probably worth getting some fresh views on first, isn't it, Ollie, before we get some of the, yeah. the good guests we've had on? Because all the guests we've had on so far have been excellent. I, I would say they've been really good to listen to and, and get feedback from. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably put the feelers out for uh, a guest next week after the Berry game, and we're both going to be there as well. So it's always better when the, the guest yeah. has been at the game as well, and all three of us can sort of butt heads about things. So, yeah, I shall, uh, we shall, we shall advertise who it's going to be before, before, before the game on Twitter, and we'll, we'll let everyone know who's going to be on. So, yes, cheers for listening again guys hopefully we brought you a little bit of, uh, of an interest considering we went to the game and uh, a bit more of a, a, a interesting podcast looking at questions and things so yep cheers for sticking with it and we shall we shall be back next week Ollie won't we cheers guys oh!